Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly. Nice pearl earring there, Matt. These are diamonds, baby. Oh, my gosh. In both ears? Both. They are my grandmother's diamonds, actually. Oh, that's so sweet. Yes, she did and not I have any grandchildren, it. so I happen to have my ears pierced and got these puppies. Oh, man, that's awesome. They look great. Thank you, sir. You're looking like you a Hollywood guy. Anyway, Bo Snurley here with you, ladies and gentlemen. It is Friday. It is the Friday Rush Hour on WABC Talk Radio 77. If you want to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-9222. Of course, the big story today, the passing of Dianne Feinstein, Di-Fi, as she has been known. Now, some of us have been following Di-Fi since we were kids and since she was a mayor. Well, she actually, the Di-Fi coverage for me started when she was on San Francisco's uh, city council. And those of you may remember, she was there the day that Harvey Milk was assassinated. Um, Diane Feinstein began packing heat uh, shortly after that, which given her role in quote-unquote gun control, she's being uh, remembered today as being um, her tenure left a mark, says uh, this is the Hill, on a range of issues including national security and gun control. Yeah, Dianne Feinstein packed a piece after she she was there. She was part of that chaotic day when Harvey Milk was assassinated out in San Francisco. And, of course, her political statue rose from there until it took her to the United States Senate. And uh, she died a senator of the United States. I have, of course, seen the good, the bad, and the ugly on social media today. And it is the ugly that I want to spend a minute or two talking about, uh, not long. I don't gloat when anyone dies. And, or I try not to. I can't say that I never have, but of course, as I try to become more and more responsible, a human being, the older I get, I try not to gloat when anyone dies. I try not to be overly harsh in my assessment of them because I am not the one that's going to judge their life, their life's works. I saw a horrible meme on Twitter today. It was a cartoon of the Grim Reaper saying something to the effect of good, I got one, and now let me go get Pelosi and someone else. And it was, I mean, it's like, who does this? Who who in, who in their right mind? Well, I guess there are plenty of people. We, we live in such a charged, uh, uh, charged environment politically that I guess people think it's okay to just say anything they want, no matter how hateful it is, no matter how disgusting it is after someone dies, that they consider their political opponents. I saw it after Rush Limbaugh passed. I was appalled by some of the comments that were made by lefties. I see see it 
when anybody on the right or the left or whoever it is that is a political figure in the United States passes on, there's a certain element of people that cannot restrain themselves from being mean-spirited, nasty, and horrible. And I just think it's unbecoming. I think it is. It, look, I didn't agree with Dianne Feinstein on much over the years. There have been very few things, if you go through the record, I particularly uh, found found it horribly distasteful when she, when her staff attacked Kavanaugh by bringing out Ballsy for uh, 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 Blazy Ford. Uh, and there have been so many things, so many instances that you could go back, particular votes, and you can take issue with and all the rest of it. But when someone dies, can you at least wait? Can you wait? And you, you, those of you, and I hope it's very few in this audience, so this is not directed toward this audience. I know we don't have those, a lot of those kind of people in this audience, but for the, for the rest of you, can you wait? Can you give the family a chance to, to bury the dead or, or perform whatever services they want to before you start with this abysmal name-calling when someone passes? You are not their ultimate judge, neither am I. We are all going to be judged. And very few of us are going to stand before judgment and just say, you know what, I lived the perfect life. I did it all right. There's nothing I regret. There's nothing I shouldn't have done. So, for that. Chuck Schumer choked up. Chuck U. Schumer, observing a moment of silence, and I say that in fun, not to be mean-spirited. Chuck U. Schumer was the name that Rush gave him, and I continue to use it. Uh, Chuck Schumer, Schumer said earlier this morning, actually she died on Thursday night. Oh, I don't know, it could have been the wee hours of the morning. He held her integrity, her work to ban assault weapons. Assault weapons, what are they? Undefined, and that that has been overturned, by the way. Her work to uncover the CIA's torture of detainees during the global war on terror. Today we grieve. We look at a desk and we know what we've lost. We've also lost, and, and again, I'm fine with talking about people's record, her record, and there's a lot to talk about in her record. Mitch McConnell stood up to speak after uh, Chuck Schumer got through, and he said that he and his wife, Elizabeth Chow, former Secretary of Transportation, would often, often have dinner with Feinstein and her husband, who served on a corporate board with McConnell's wife. Hmm, Isn't it interesting? You always find out how incestuous Washington, D.C. is. What a club it is during these sort of things, these sort of events. McConnell said that he remembered Diane gave us a small depiction of the Capitol this morning because it's still on the wall. He said he saw it this morning and remembered our dear colleague. Others took to the floor of the Senate to tell their stories, some of them kind. 
Susan Collins remembered that Feinstein bought seersucker suits for all of the female senators so that they could participate in the Senate's seersucker Thursday tradition. I wonder if they have an American sucker tradition because that's the way that the Senate treats us like we're the suckers. But this is an exclusive club, and we should keep that in mind, folks. There, there are, you think about the power. Just, just think about that for a moment, the power that each one of these senators have. We are in the midst of a budget fiasco right now in the House. It looks like there's going to be a government shutdown. And Princess Di last week on the Saturday program predicted that Kevin McCarthy's days are numbered, that this is a win, this is a lose-lose scenario, this government shutdown business for Kevin McCarthy, and either way he would find himself out of a job pretty soon. But if you think about the number of dollars that we spend, and then you look at what it takes in the Senate to pass a measure, It only takes, in some cases, 51, but in other cases, 60, depending on how the measure is brought up before the Senate, to pass these bills that cost trillions, trillions, trillions of dollars. And you think about the amount of money that flows through on the okay of this 100 group of Americans. We hope they're all American anyway. 100. It is a small club. And if you wonder where the disconnect is between the United States Senate and your grassroots party, at least if you're a Republican, there's the answer. In the House, conservatives are badly outnumbered by moderates. In the Senate, it's even worse. I challenge any of you to name me seven Seven truly conservative senators and the 50, 49 that, the, the, that are Republican. Name me seven of them that are truly conservative. Only seven. Just name them. You will have difficulty. The problem in the Republican Party, by and large, is one of numbers for conservatives. Now, when it comes to voters, conservatives are the driving force. Conservatives are the driving force in the primaries. They will dictate, by and large, especially in most red states, they will dictate who appears on the ballot and who doesn't. But once you get to Congress, it doesn't work like that. Once you get to Congress, the numbers are not in your favors. Conservatives do not, do not run Congress. They don't run the House, and they certainly don't run the Senate. So all of the things you keep hoping for, all the things that you send Republicans to do, we sent these people there to do a job, and by golly, they're not doing it. I have heard half of my political life or more We have to hold their feet to the fire. (laughs) Hold their feet to what fire? They don't care what you conservatives think. Democrats don't care a bit, and 
most moderate Republicans that actually outnumber conservatives in the House, and they don't care either. The only people that care are at primary time when they all run. And moderates know the trick. All they have to do is sound conservative enough to get past the primary in these states, and then they're in. So that's where you see it. The primaries, they talk all this conservative nonsense, to them nonsense. Oh, let's just go out and spew all that old stuff like we really want to close the border. We really care about spending. We really care about Let's just spew all of it. And then we'll get past the primaries. We'll fool enough of those Republicans. They'll vote for us. And then when we get there, all we have to do is cozy up with the Democrats, cozy up with the other moderate Republicans, as they call themselves, and tell those conservatives to go to hell. And you see it being played time and time again. That is what you are seeing being played in this debate over shutdown of the government. Kevin McCarthy couldn't pass gas today. If it was gas, he couldn't get it passed. Nothing. He tried it. Oh, we're gonna, we'll put together, I know what we'll do. We'll put together a little stopgap measure. And brought it up to the floor. What happened? No. No. You've got a few conservative holdouts, and God bless them. I love these people. But they are serious. They're saying, we're going to stop this. We're going to stop this. We're going to stop this unchecked border. We're going to stop this un. Guess what? Here's my prediction. I don't even have to tell you. I don't know when it's going to happen. At some point, at some point, the conservatives will bend. Because nobody, at some point, once the pain starts to set, and if this government shuts down, and I believe it probably will happen tomorrow, save some sort of Hail Mary pass, I'm leaving that option open, But if there is no Hail Mary pass that happens legislatively tonight or in the wee hours of the morning, should they stick around, we'll have a government shutdown. And it'll be fine for the first day or two, three or four. You know, you'll see the the, the news reporters out at Jellystone Park. Ooh, Jellystone's closed. People trying to get in the parks. Then you're going to start seeing other stories. And then... About four or five days into it will come the wave of sob stories about government employees who cannot pay their bills, about people who are affected by the government not supporting this program or that program. And following those sob stories, then they'll have a portrait or they'll interview some conservative Republican, and the message will be, and see, it's all their fault. And then they'll start saying the news media, the MSM, the mainstream media, and voters are going to remember this in 2024. And after a few days of this negative coverage, the conservatives will say, you know what, we better open up the government again because this is a no-win. They are not going to shut the United States government down indefinitely. And the longer it goes on, the more blame they're going to take. But James, but James, you're, oh, but Bo, but Bo, how can you say this? You, you, you cave. I'm not caving. For the record, I wouldn't care if the government, except for a few cases, 
national security, some other cases, every person that is listed as a quote-unquote non-essential government worker, it wouldn't bother me if they shut it down for a year, two years. I wouldn't, the non-essential. I wouldn't, me, no. But I'm telling you, the political pressure will be brought to bear so that these conservatives have no choice. They don't want this to be the story that defines the 2024 election. I haven't heard this one in a long time. Yeah, Australian-American singer-songwriter Helen Reddy passed away on this day, 2020. This, of course, her signature hit. I am woman. Hear me roar. Meow. Meow. Hear me roar, baby. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. On 77 WABC. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Talk Radio 77 WABC. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. 1984. Prince and the Revolution. Electric word, life, it means forever, and that's a mighty long time. Start a two-week run at number one with this one. It was the opening track on both the album and the film, Purple Rain. Let's go crazy. On WABC, listen, here's a heads up for you. Uh, On Sunday, the Cats Roundtable from 9 to 10 a.m. Remember, Sunday, 9 to 10 a.m., we'll have a very special guest. Yes, Bill Clinton, the one, the only Bill Clinton, is going to join John Katsimatidis for an exclusive interview. Common Sense Conversation, a must-listen. They'll talk politics. They'll talk about the Clinton Global Institute. 
and about bringing together leaders to respond to our world's most pressing challenges. That is this Sunday on the Cats Roundtable between 9 and 10 a.m. I hope it's a calling. I, I wonder if they'll be taking any calls or I don't know. Anyway, give it a listen. Uh, the death of Diane Feinstein has also put Gasm in the hot seat. That's what I call. That's my name for Gavin Wilson, Newsom, the big Gasm. Now, Gasm has pledged, he told everybody he was going to pick a black woman if he ever had to appoint someone as the senator from, they've been anticipating DiFi's death for a long time. And by the way, for those of you Democrats who've been clamoring, she should step aside. She, 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 are you happy now? And you know who you are. You have been clamoring for this woman to die. Are you happy now? But anyway, Governor Newsom now has to pick a black woman. There's one that is running. Her name is Barbara Lee. She's one of the most radical Congress people in the House of Representatives. She took the old seat from Red Dellums, from Ron Red, and that was what we used to call him, and he didn't mind Ron Red Dellums. She took his seat after he retired, and she is she was radical before there was even a squad. She out-squatted the squad. She's running for Senate. She's in last place. But Newsom recently came up with a caveat. He said, you know, I'm not going to pick from anybody that's running. It would be unfair to the primary process. And Barbara Lee about pooped her pants. She was so mad at Newsom. And she complained. And she Ask people to get behind her, and nobody showed up behind her because they don't want her to be the senator either. But anyway, now Newsom has got to honor his pledge and pick a black woman to be the interim senator from California, or else he has to break his promise. There's another person that's being mentioned out there. That's Katie Porter. She is an acolyte of Elizabeth Warren. And if you've ever seen her in the hearings, she's another radical. Her problem is that she doesn't meet the requirements of being a black woman. But that shouldn't stop Democrats because they can identify as whoever they want to identify with. So maybe she'll identify as a black woman and tell, and tell Newsom it's okay, pick me. I don't know, but it's going to be interesting to watch the way that all this unfolds out in, in California. I'd love to get your thoughts, by the way, today on if you think a government shutdown is going to be harmful and who should take the blame if there is a shutdown. Apparently, and the Washington Post ran a lengthy article about this, there is already a move underfoot Here's the article, Washington Post. Hardliners, that means conservatives. Hardliners plot to replace McCarthy with a deputy as showdown looms. And what they're talking about, who they're talking about is Representative Tom Emmer, who is a member, hails from Minnesota. 
He is currently the whip. That's number three position in leadership. And there are some conservatives who are trying to position him as being ideal for the speakership when they toss Kevin McCarthy overboard. Emmer, though, has been a key ally to McCarthy. And Emmer has come out and said, look, Kevin McCarthy has my full support. Well, what else is he going to say? Of course he's got to say Kevin McCarthy has my full support. This is one of those weekends where a lot can happen, folks. And I will be here tomorrow morning, bright and early, 7 a.m. for the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Princess Di will be with us. We're going to talk about all of this stuff. By tomorrow, we may have a government shutdown. We may have moves underway to depose the current Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. I'd love to hear what you have to say about all of this, all of these prospects. And, of course, we have a lot of other political news still going on, aside from what is taking place in the bowels of our nation's capital in Washington, D.C. Well, it's nearly with you here. It is our Friday afternoon Laura and Tommy rush hour. He wanted to give her everything, flowers, presents, and most of all, a wedding Ricky Valance, 1960. This was number one. Ricky Valance became the first Welsh singer to top charts with this one. And after that, he disappeared. This was a one-hit wonder. Tell Laura, I love her on WABC. Coming back right after this. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Bo Snerdly. On 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. I'm in the It's The Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snerdly. Rush. Now here's Bo Snerdly. Birthday today for Mark Farner, American singer, guitarist, songwriter, lead singer, lead guitarist with Grand Funk Railroad. This is one of theirs. Not. I had all this wrong. Oh, well, we'll figure it out. I love it. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly, here with you on WABC. You know, do you remember Meatball from yesterday? Yep. yep. Do you still have Meatball? Yes, we do. This was the woman influencer that was part of that, 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 robbery crew, that looting crew down in filthy Philadelphia. And again, I railed yesterday, and say you may think I was a little over the top because I was calling, I try not to name call, but I, I, I was sick of it. And I said yesterday, these looters are probably some of the dumbest people 
You know, how do you commit a crime and then put it on social media? We have been seeing this trend for years, and it never ends well. When you do a crime, you, you live stream it, you post it on social media, and then somehow you think, well, I'm not going to get caught. The ignorance is just astounding. Meatball, we have it? Yeah, this was, this is Meatball. Oh, good, let's play both. Yeah, this is Meatball as the looting was going on. She's so articulate. Yeah, meatball. Mm-hmm. What is it? Let's play the other one. This is her after she was arrested. I just want to say thanks to everybody that you know, Carrie. Did you me. know? Ain't nothing, never been nothing. I never been doing nothing like that ever in my life. I don't even know what ha- what what happened. Like, I need some sleep. I'm scared. I'm traumatized. Never again in my life. Like, seriously. I'm tired. I love you. She sounds like she's accepting an Academy Award. Never been through anything like this in my life. Ain't nothing. Oh, never been locked through anything. Thank you. I love you. I love you so much. I love you. She's got through looting. I've been on a looting spree in the Loot Olympics. Here in Philly. Well, there's a new story out today. She's become something of a media persona now. The shameless influencer arrested during this week's Philadelphia riots is no longer grinning. Goes on to say her family admits they were ashamed of her antics. I regret it. She told NBC Philadelphia after she's been hit with felony charges for the looting that she filmed, cheered on, I prefer, you know, never loot again, stay out of trouble, never go to jail. Oh, and figure it out, huh? Well, while she was doing the interview, her grandmother pulled up outside and started holding down her horn, the horn of her car, to disrupt the interview. Her grandmother then spoke to Fox, she said, what goes through my mind as a grandmother is I'm very ashamed. I'm very ashamed to see my grandchild there at that time when I see someone of my blood, that this has been there while this is happening, this hurt, that hurt me deeply. She did say, and you know, grandmothers love you no matter what. She said she described her granddaughter, Miss the self-proclaimed meatball, as a loving, kind, caring, business-minded go-getter. I wanted to start a business. Most of all, I wanted to be a positive influencer. Well, and by the way, Meatball is also now using social media to beg for money. She's trying to raise uh, money through some cash app to handle uh, so that she can have a welcome home gift. Welcome home after I've been looting and was tossed in jail. 
it's it's I am almost out of words. I cannot tell you how deeply offended this makes me. To see, this is what our ancestors, those of us who had ancestors, and I'm not strictly relating this to along color lines, because many people fought for civil rights in this country. We fought to get away from the Jim Crow Democrats, iron grip on racist societies. We have fought our lives to make America a place where people can access opportunities, where people can participate, where kids can get a decent education in this country, regardless of what their backgrounds are, regardless of where they come from. And it offends the sensibilities of all of us who thought and who believe that America is the nation where anything is possible, where you can rise from whatever station you find yourself in life and make better of yourself. It is offensive to see this particular generation squandering all of the blood that was shed for them in this utter, nonsensical tomfoolery and criminality that they engage in. And they laugh about it. They think it's funny. And they're too dumb and too stupid to not even put their crimes on social media. I mean, what kind of brains does it take to figure out I'm doing something against the law, maybe, just maybe, I shouldn't be advertising it? It is offensive to everyone that has bled, that has had to endure hardships, that has had to go through their life dealing with true racism and true oppression to now look at this generation and these generations of uneducated, ignorant, willfully ignorant, willfully uneducated, half-literate children who believe that stealing, looting, is somehow their birthright. I, and people have been asking, what can we do about it? What can we do about this? What can we do about it? I'm at a loss for some of the answers. I don't know how you change the culture of millions of children, millions of younger generation who think that this street life is okay. I don't know how to do it. If any of you have suggestions, I know that there is an absence of morality. I know that there is an absence of anything connected with the lessons that most of us learned either in houses of worship from our parents, both. How do you change a culture that is this demented and perverted? I do know, and I've been researching this in answer to a question that I took on the air the other day. Well, what can the president do about it? Aha, there is an answer. And some of you leftists will not like it. The president constitutionally of the United States has the power to declare an insurrection. Where have you heard those words before? Well, you heard them on January 6th. We have this little thing in the law called the Insurrection Act. 
And when there is an insurrection, the president can send either a militia or forces in to squash it. Regardless of state law. In other words, when you have these lawless blue cities where this rampant criminality is taking place, there are actions that the federal government, if they had the political will, if they had the political spine, could take to bring a halt to this madness. Now, whether they will ever do it or not remains a mystery. Let us head to the telephones very quickly. We have to check in with Lou Dobbs in a bit, and we're going to check in with the rest of your phone calls, too. Let's go to John in New Jersey. John, you're on WABC Talk Radio 77, Boston Nerdies Rush Hour. How are you, John? You, Paul. I I believe the government will close down, shut the government. They should. I believe they should. The Congress do that. I called Kevin McCarthy's office. And I I gave him my comment, and just like I'm saying to you, for the purpose of forcing Biden, the Democrats, to close that border. That's the main reason we got to shut the government down so they don't have any money to do what they've been doing. It's about time that we stand up and don't show the Democrats and the president that we don't fear them. They, he has not done his duty, uphold his duty under our Constitution, and more than just the Constitution, he put his hand on the Bible to God, and he 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 deserves to be kicked out on the street. He don't belong. All right, let me ask you one question. Let's say this happens, and by the way. Some of those quote-unquote hardliner Republicans totally agree with you. And they're saying, we do want, we are not going to go along with this. This border has to be dealt with. Okay, I'm going to ask you just a political question. How long do you think they will stick it out if the government is closed down? As it takes to get the Democrats understand that we're not going to take it no more, and he has to do his job, or else he will, he's going to get impeached. I will be, as an American citizen and a veteran, I'd be the first one to tell him, you're impeached, President Biden. I will well, be okay. the first one. This country I, I is you. not just for the Congress, the Senate, or the White House. This country and our Constitution is for all of us. I served my country when I served in, in 1964. I went in and then honorable discharge in 1970. I, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Look, John, we have to go to Lou Dobbs. I love you. Thank you for your service. Thank you so much from all of us. Your call is coming up, 800-848-WABC. We're coming back. We're going to check in with Lou Dobbs. Come back with your phone calls as we head into the weekend. Stay with us.
This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Bo Snerdly. On 77 WABC. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snerdly. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Rush. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. Too much love drives a man insane. You broke my will, but what a thrill. Great balls of fire. 1935, on this day, Jerry Lee Lewis was born. His nickname, The Killer. These days, he might have another nickname, The Pato. Yep. But I got to tell you guys something, though. What's up? America has changed. Y'all don't realize this. It wasn't the issue that he married a 14-year-old. It was that she was his cousin. It was that she was his cousin, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. But I'm telling the truth. I know. It's, and what it's you, funny because it's what true. You guys don't, what you guys don't remember, you, you guys are too young to remember this. Back in the 1930s and, and what uh, there were a lot of states, the legal age to get married with your parents' permission was 14 years old. Life expectancy wasn't what it is today. Ah. And back then, a lot of 14-year-olds were as mature as some adults are now. I mean, you wouldn't believe what life was like, especially in some of these. Look, I'll just give you a little hint. My mother started cooking for her family when she was five years old. Life was different in America going through that time. And it was not uncommon to see young teenage girls get married. But not your cousin. Well, at least not in some places. Didn't he also shoot his bass player today, too? He shot his bass player in a birthday celebration. Shot him in the chest in 1976. During a birthday celebration, he shot his bass player, Norman Owens, in the chest. He had been blasting holes in the door. Owen survived later on, sued him. All right, you know. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, presents Rapid Phones. Elizabeth, you are up first on Rapid Phones. How are you? Hello, James. I'm fine. Um, I just wanted to say I had some insight into the young people, um, African-Americans especially. I worked in a prison, a maximum security prison, for four years, and I had access to all of their family information and I decided to take my own survey and I found that 75% of the African American men who were in prison had a father that was either incarcerated, unknown, or deceased. And I think that says a lot about um, the fact that fatherless children, you know, have no direction. I don't think you'd meet if you met Ten men on the street, you know, and asked them. Seven of them wouldn't have a father who was incarcerated, dead, or um, unknown. So I just think that has a lot to do with it. It has a whole lot to do with it, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Pat in New Jersey, you're up next. How you doing, Mr. Golden? It's very nice to talk to you. I catch the tail end of your show daily when I get out of work. Um, I just wanted to response to the government having to find 
about things like smash and grab, et cetera, all the madness that's basically going on. Well, the left created that when they defunded the police. We have no police force. You're going to have people that are going to walk into a store and just take what they want. And it goes on and on. The more they get away with, the more they're going to try and do. So the government, the left created this. The left has to put an end to it. Do you, do you agree? I agree. And the left is created through their laws, these no-bail laws. Look, the governor of Illinois, Pritzker, just said, uh, just just two weeks ago announced they are going totally no-cash bail, which means more criminals, more people that have committed criminal acts, allegedly, will be put back on the streets. What we are witnessing is insanity from the left. And you cannot deal with insanity with half-baked measures. You have got to go hardcore. You know, Rhonda texted me um, during the break, and she asked if there are men and women in politics who can bear up to the excruciating pressure to do the right thing. Serious question. It's not from a non-kitten type of woman. I know it's a serious question, and it is, but it takes so much. It takes because you are going to get mercilessly pilloried in the press if you demand draconian actions to stop this stuff. But the only way to stop what the left has unleashed on America is with hardcore draconian actions. Robert in Suffolk County, New York. Robert, you are up next on Rapid Phones. Government has broken the social contract. Crime victims and citizens need to file civil and criminal civil rights actions against the government to reverse no bail and other policies and laws that allow criminals to get away scot-free without penalty. This has Agreed. To be Thank you. You are so right. Phil, in Sussex County, New Jersey, you're up next. Oh. Hey, always love the show, James. Uh, so you. this government shutdown, they make it believe like they're, they'll, they'll have no money. They just can't borrow. As you know, and I know when you look at your paychecks, they still have billions coming in every day. But the Democrats are going to make sure it's as painful as possible. They will choose to shut down things that are going to hurt the most Americans just to make their point. And because Americans are either too lazy or too gullible to figure out the truth, it'll probably be effective. Thank you so much. Let us go to Frankie in Brooklyn quickly. Yeah, Bo, you're doing a good job. That, that song, uh, Tell Laura I Love Her, that was by Ray Peterson. And he had about seven hits on the charts, like Corina, Corina, you know, and uh, when no can understand me, 10 years before Elvis did. So I just want to tell you that, okay? Thank you, Frankie. Love you, buddy. Thank you so much. Jimmy in Brooklyn, we do not have time to grab you. Jimmy, I'm here in the morning. I know you want to talk about DiFi. We got to go, though, okay? Call us tomorrow, Jimmy, and everyone else. That's it for today, Friday, quick. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you, your family, your loved ones. Love and gratitude for your being here today and allowing me to be with you. God willing, we are here in the morning, bright and early, 7 a.m. Have that first cup of coffee with us on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Bye.